0: Welcome to Doggy Dish, where two of L.A.'s best dog trainers serve up a hearty helping of dog topics. At the end of this podcast, we'll provide information on how to contact our trainers. And now, here they are.
1: Hi, this is Laura Burheny from Animal Attraction Unlimited. And I'm Kim Reinhart with Ain't Misbehaving Canine. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for showing up, Kim.
2: (laughs) I beg your pardon? I don't know. (laughs) You're welcome, Laura. Okay. <laughs> well, today we're going to talk about the, the truth about cats and dogs. Well, no wait a minute, that's been done. That was a good movie. Yes, it was a good movie. I did like that movie. But we are going to talk about cats and dogs and how I guess to successfully have household with both cats and dogs. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so I feel pretty comfortable talking about this because I've always kept cats and
1: dogs together. Me too. In very small places, like little tiny guest houses where there's just one room. Mm -hmm. And my philosophy back then was get along or get out. Mine too. (laughs) Mine too. And, you know, it's funny um, because I was
2: thinking when we were starting to talk about this that I have my own philosophies about this that I really don't necessarily talk to other people about because I don't care if they agree or disagree. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just don't care in the end. I like dogs, and I like cats, and I actually love both of them, and I want to have both of them, and everybody's just going to have to suck it up and <laughs> move on. <laughs> right.
1: It's been a little, I mean, all of your dogs you've had from puppies, right? Nope. I've had nope. many rescues that I've okay. raised with cats. Many. I have had the
2: occasional dog that came in as a foster, that it wasn't in my, that I didn't feel like it was in my best interest to work that hard to get them around the cat, and so I
1: just managed for the period of time that they lived at my house. Right, or in the cat's best interest, because, I mean, even if you could have worked the dog through it, if it's only a temporary situation, why put the cat through that stress? Well, and in the very end... Bless you, Sammy. <laughs> that was Laura's dog.
2: And in the very end of his life, my cat uh, was to a little over two years with renal failure, and certainly during that time i had a dog come that i wasn't sure what his how he was going to be about the cat and i just didn't choose to take it on yeah and allow it to even um
1: I didn't even, I I didn't put my cat up as the test subject Mm -hmm. for that particular experiment. Right. You know, when I got Daisy, uh, she's the only rescue dog that I got as a puppy, Mm -hmm. and I wasn't supposed to keep her. I was fostering her, basically, and I wasn't supposed to keep her, and isn't that how it's always worked out for me, though? Well, pretty awesome. much how it's always worked out. For everyone. So I'm not supposed <laughs> to keep this dog. Yeah. Well, so the, right. Because what I wasn't problem. supposed to keep her, I just never exposed her to the cats. Mm-hmm. And anytime time she did, like if I put them in a room someplace so that she could have a little more freedom around the house, she would obsess at that room. She would sit at the door. She would whine. She would stick her nose right in the crack of the door. And I just never dealt with it, even from the age of, you know, 11, 12 weeks old, because I thought, it doesn't matter, she's not going to stay here. Mm-hmm. And it was a mistake. Right.
2: There have been very few circumstances where I've chosen not to go ahead and take on that battle, just in case they end up staying with me, and or just in case somehow the dogs and the cats ended up together. I just, And actually, in my house, they always did. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying in a situation where I have managed... As I said with Max in the last couple of years of his life, I certainly wasn't even willing to risk anything, anything, No matter, just a fright, I wasn't yeah. even willing to risk or, or stress, but um, I had my first pit bull that I got, I actually, at the time I got her, I had five cats, mm-hmm. and I lived in an apartment, and I had another dog, and I brought her home, and basically my attitude because I didn't know her I didn't know her background. I later found out she had actually a bad background with cats.
1: Oh, wow. But
2: I didn't know that at the time and um when I brought her home, I just took a you will not even look at the cats attitude. Yeah, just don't even go there. Don't even look at them. Right. I didn't You know what? They would walk around and she would just avert her eyes. Avert I right. don't see them la 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 la. <laughs> yes, because I took a very much of a zero tolerance attitude towards it. You don't You don't train your eyes on them at all. Zero, period, none. Not going to do it. And it was just zero tolerance. Mm -hmm. And um, she ended up being wonderful with the cats, by the way. Fabulous in the long run. Once she got accustomed to them, then they became her cats, and then they were her buddies, and she was a really nice dog. But according to the information that I got about her at a later date from somebody uh, who had some information about her history, she had not been good necessarily with cats. Yeah. She had been she chased them. I don't know if she'd ever killed anything, but she yeah. she chased them, um, and that's kind of been my attitude with every dog. I mean, I've had um, I've had pit bulls and staffy bulls and Airedale terriers and just a ton of different types of dogs. But also a lot of the terrier breeds, the type of dogs that you might expect there would be a problem, and um,
1: it helps to have cats that are dog savvy. Absolutely, my first cat. I don't think was dog dog savvy. I didn't have a dog when I got her. And um she was probably a good five or six years old when I got my first dog. Now my first dog, luckily, he was he was a terrier. He was a Karen Terrier mix and but he was very timid and very shy and I was living I was renting a room in a house and basically me, the cat and the dog had to live in the same room. Mm-hmm and it was like, well, I'll bring them home, and hopefully they'll get along. And that was the first my cat had ever been exposed to a dog, but luckily he was such an easygoing, laid-back, timid dog that they didn't have a problem at all. And then my next dog was a little less laid-back, but still a friendly dog, and they never had a problem. Mm-hmm. And um, by the time I got my second dog, just so you know, we weren't all living in the same room. I had moved by them <laughs> to a one-bedroom guest house, which wasn't much bigger than my, than my room, but at least I had a little kitchen. So... So it was, you know, it was the same thing. Then my third dog was a German Shepherd who came from the shelter. And I didn't know her history. And, yeah, she wanted to chase the cats. And I just went, no, yeah. not happening. And by then I had two cats. yeah, And I said, not happening. You're not going there. And she didn't. And that was just my rule. You're just not going to go there. I do have to say, though, that I've got a dog now that I just don't even put him with the cat. I just don't even go there because I know that he's just too intense. And I have the ability now to keep them physically separated and so i do
2: right
1: because he's just too intense and if there were an issue it would be bad and the cat i have the the one cat i have left by the time by the time i got this particular dog my my one cat that i had left that was dog savvy was very elderly and also going through renal failure and i wasn't going to put him through it and the cat i have left is semi-feral And she's not dog-savvy at all.
2: Well, actually, that brings up a pretty good point, I think, and a point that I want to make. I have always lived with cats and dogs, and my cats and dogs have always managed to get along. And for the same reason that we've talked about, and you have the same philosophy, that, listen, that's just the way it's going to be. However, there are situations where that can't be. One of those situations would be if you had a very non-dog-savvy cat that was really fearful of dogs, and you had a very intense dog. That would be a very difficult situation to ever work with, because I don't care how zero-tolerance you are. That cat would continuously be sending out the signals of, I will run.
1: Yeah, and that was, Alex, my first cat, was just so, even if she wanted to get away from a dog, like the couple of dogs who did show some interest in her, not and aggressively, but just like, what is that? That she would wait for them to turn their head, and then she would move, you know, right. and then she would move, and if they, start, they started to come after her, she would just turn around and face them and go, uh-uh, Right. and wait for them to turn their head again. The cat I have now is a runner. Right. She'll just run, and it'll bring out the prey drive, and I just don't want to do that. Right.
2: Yeah, and I think when we first started talking about this, I was thinking about how I just have never it's just never been an option for me that you come live at my house and you're not around the cats. However, you know what? Part of it is that I've had very savvy cats. Mm -hmm. My first cat was a cat that I worked in a pet store where they had, they sold pets. I groomed in a pet store where they sold pets and this cat had shown up and gotten sick and nobody was taking care of it. And I ended up taking care of it and nursing it back to health and then got very attached and ended up bringing it home. It was raised in a Shop and mm-hmm. actually would sit on my grooming table while I groomed dogs, <laughs> yeah <laughs> would sit you know let the hair fall on him, so he was very dog savvy and then I had cats that came in that were kittens that were young um adoptees mm-hmm. that were you know but young cats that were really impressionable. I did have one really flighty fearful cat but at the time that I had her I had dogs that were very accustomed to cats they were all rescues but they had already come in and and been indoctrinated into the whole dog cat thing and they didn't, I didn't have a problem the circumstance where it wouldn't work is if you had a very intense dog and a very flighty cat yeah. because if you have a cat that will stand them stand off and you can interfere it's mm-hmm. a lot easier Having said that, I would always say on the side of caution, if I had a big, heavy, strong dog that I thought could really hurt them, and I did not have enough influence over them to know for a fact mm-hmm. that the dog would listen,
1: yeah. then I would never sacrifice my cats to that. Yeah. I took a client's dog um, that they didn't want the liability for anymore, and he had killed a couple of their guinea pigs due to bad management on their part. And so I knew that he, and I knew that he wasn't good around cats, but I took him because I adored the dog and they just, it just wasn't the right household for them. Nice German shepherd and brought him into the house with my dog, Savvy Cats. And yes, I watched him, but again, it was one of those guest houses where it was all of us in the same place. And it's like, well, don't go there. Just don't go there. And the cats were savvy enough, and he learned very quickly, oh, okay, I just won't go there. Doesn't mean I left them all alone together when I Mm -hmm. wasn't home. Mm -hmm. But when I was there, everything was fine. There are also situations where you can have a couple of dogs in the house, and one of the dogs is more cat-savvy than the other one, and the non-cat-savvy dog is actually pretty intense, but the other dog keeps that one at bay basically protects the cats, and the unfortunate thing about this, and I know a real story about this, is that once the cat-savvy dog goes away, dies, passes away, the other dog is still there, and so then people are in a home where, oh, it's been fine up until now, and exactly, and so now this other dog that has been basically, his behavior has been quashed by the first dog, Mm -hmm. now that dog isn't there to protect the cats anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
2: I think that when I go into a household
1: where somebody says,
2: well, the dog is really bothering my cat, there's a few things that I look for. One of the things is, what's the attitude of the cat?
1: Mm -hmm.
2: I want to see, what does the cat tell me? Does the cat tell me that she believes that she'll get hurt, or he believes they'll get hurt? Because that belief, I weigh in. I oh, absolutely. Very, that weighs in very important, very large for me Yeah. in terms of how I assess the situation. Because the cat is reading the dog really well. Right. I look at the relationship between the people and the dog. Mm-hmm. Is this a dog that they have a tremendous amount of influence over, or is this a dog that pretty much kind of listens to them when it feels like it? Because mm-hmm. if that's the case, we can work on that. But that definitely is a much more difficult Situation and requires a lot more management mm-hmm. than a situation where the dog is very easily influenced by the people. Right. Is the dog really intense? Does he have a really strong desire to do something? You know, in a situation like that, for me, even if I got that dog where I felt very, very, very comfortable with him, unless that very intense dog was up against a very dog-savvy cat, and was easily influenced by me, or by the owners, not by me, not as a trainer, but by the by the person who's owning them. I would say we are going to have to put some heavy duty management in in you know effect here, because I think that people don't realize you can have a situation that is okay, 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 but it's it's okay but edgy, and if it's okay and relaxed you're probably in pretty good shape but if it's okay but edgy you're just kind of marking time
1: yeah until that moment when things go wrong right when you fall over that edge and you know a lot of times people have a cat that they've had for five or six years or however long and now they bring in a dog like especially a puppy and they just turn the puppy loose and figure the cat and the dog are going to work it out sometimes It happens, but I would say more often than not, the cat runs and hides under a bed. And now this cat who's been living in this home for years is now basically secluded himself in one room of the house because this monster has come into the house. And people, they know that it's not okay. They want to stop it, but they don't know how. And the cat's not coming out from under the bed now that this little monster is here. Which is at the point where if I if that were in that home mm-hmm.
2: and I were in that situation, that's where I put in the the zero tolerance rule. Right. Even with a young dog, I just teach them you leave them alone. You well, leave them alone under all circumstances. You just leave them alone. I want that dog. I in in my houses. This is the way it's always been. The cats can pretty much do whatever they want,
1: <laughs> and the dogs can't. The dogs absolutely can't threaten the cats in Because there's way. such a difference in power and strength. Huge. And, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, okay, the cat has really sharp claws, but up against a dog's mouth. No, I'm sorry. Well, not only that, the cats
2: cats just have a different instinct. I mean, they are much more likely to run than mm-hmm. anything else. And dogs, it's different. It's mm-hmm. a different, you know, there are different things. In, your cat's not going to hunt your dog. Right. And your dog can very well hunt the cat. So I think that that's always been my rule of thumb in my home is that when the new dog comes in again you know this is tough because if you have really dog savvy cats and i always have it's nobody's ever come in at the same time it's They've been staggered. Uh So the new cats are broken in by the old dogs, and then the the new dogs are broken in by the old cats, and it's kind of that thing that rolls forward. And I always have the same attitude. You come into my house, you're nice to everybody. That's just the way it is. Um, And and it works out really well. But if you were going to bring, let's say you have that adult cat, Mm -hmm. and you bring a young puppy in, you know, I agree with you. I think it's a bummer for the cat to suddenly be terrorized by this little monster that's running around. Now, you know what? You can raise the puppy with limitations, with, with boundaries. It, nope, you don't do that. You don't do that. You leave that alone. And you keep discouraging that behavior and discouraging that behavior. At my house, that's a, that's a correctable offense.
1: Right. But when it gets to the point where the cat has secluded himself in the bedroom or in a room or under a bed or something and doesn't come out, we have to make the cat feel safe and make it so that the dog can't chase the cat. Usually what I do is I, at that point, put the dog on a leash or on a tie-down, ideally a tie-down because if the dog is on a leash attached to the person, the person usually ends up getting distracted and not paying attention. But if you put the dog on a tie-down in, let's say, the living room where everybody hangs out, and the cat starts to realize that thing isn't wandering around the house anymore, maybe I'll come out and take a look. The cat can come out, take a look, like, peek into the room, look around the side of the couch, and once it realizes the dog isn't going to get up and chase it, then he's more likely to come out. And at the same time, the person is there going, oh, look, there's the cat. Hey, dog, stay there. Leave the cat alone. You know, do some leave-its or just good dog for not chasing the cat.
2: Yeah, it's not the way I handle it. I, I'm very unlikely to put a puppy on a tie-down. I, what I normally will do with a young dog, if I had an older dog that I was afraid that the dog might do something, that's one of those situations where I would mm-hmm. to tie down. If I'm not worried about what the dog's going to do, then I just teach the dog to leave it alone. And what I do is every time that cat, because you know what, cats, they'll reach their limit also. They'll get to the place where they're like, okay, I'm not going to be held hostage. I'm not going to do this anymore. And but I've been in houses out.
1: where the cats won't come out where the cat's just it's gone on for 2 or 3 weeks before they call me and the cat is just not coming out of the room no matter
2: what. But a cat that won't come out of the room, won't come out if the dog's on a tie down either because they won't come down cuz the dog is there. The the, do- the cat but they that do. won't come out of the well, I mean, I just have never had to do this. I've never had to put them on tie downs. Always it's just zero tolerance. So the minute the cat shows up, the dog is is put in the qual there there's a qualsh put on that. There's the there's a ah, leave it. And then a and then a positive for the dog leaving it alone. And I've, you know, I've worked with a lot of dogs in this set of circumstances too. And what I find is, anytime that you put a limit on the freedom, that's unnecessary. So let's say I don't believe that the dog can actually hurt the cat. Um, what you end up doing is becoming the puppy become the dog becomes reliant on that that being held back thing. And I would much rather that the dog learn right from the very onset that they have to control themselves in that situation if the first time you bring a dog in
1: you let them know
2: cats off limits
1: right but that's us i'm talking about the average pet owner who brings a dog into their house and has already let the dog go after the cat before they before they call us about it You know, that's you bringing a dog into your house and starting from square one. That's how you do it. But I'm talking about somebody who's already had the problem. The dog is already, the cat has already gone under the bed and is not coming out, and the dog is still running around the house out of control. A tie-down is certainly one way to do it. It's just not the way I do it. Even with clients, it's not the way
2: that I do it. I I don't like tie-downs. I I do do put dogs in tie-downs, and I put them in situations where they're locked away from things in certain sets of circumstances, but if I can possibly avoid it, I do. It's just not... I mean, I'm a non-leash trainer, too. Right. I don't use a lot of leash. But so how would you
1: tell a client? How would you tell a client to deal with that situation when the cat is under the bed and not coming out and the dog is not on a tie-down and not on a leash, and the the people basically have no relationship or no training on the dog yet?
2: Um, Again, it depends. When we first started this conversation, we were talking about young dogs. We were talking Mm -hmm. about bringing a young dog into a house with an older cat, and... Typically, again, I don't think that putting a dog on a tie-down makes the cat come out. So I don't think that the cat is dependent on being on the, the tie-down to come out. And so I will start working on the dog and other things to get them to leave it alone so that we have some basis of leave it and then start applying it to the cat. That's how I will typically start how working How long does that usually take? It's situational, just the same as it is with a tie-down. Right. It just depends on the dog. You know, it depends on the dog, it depends on the cat. Again, it depends on the energy of the cat and the energy of the dog, and, and, you know, it just depends on on who I'm working with. Young dogs usually get this very quickly Mm because they've come from situations a lot of times where they've been around mama, and mama has made some things off-limits to them in the past. So working with a young puppy, it's not really hard to make things off-limits, a young dog. Mm -hmm. It's not really hard to make things off-limits if they've been raised in a litter. You know, in a situation where the cat hides... It's very difficult to get a cat out when a cat's decided they're going to hide. It doesn't matter if you put a dog on a tie-down. If they've decided that they're going to hide, it's equally difficult to get them out. How do you get them out? How do well, you lure them out? Because well, like a cat has decided to
1: be hidden. Right. Most of the time the cat has decided, in the ones that I've worked with, the cat has decided to hide because the dog is still running around unsupervised and without any influence from the owner. So... When we put the dog on a tie-down or attach the dog to a leash, the cat eventually starts to go, How long does that take? A couple days. A couple days before the cat says, I wonder if that thing has gone out of my house now. And then they start coming out. They can start coming out. They see that the dog is there. They might, as soon as they see the dog is there, turn around and run away, but when the dog doesn't chase them, they come back out again. It's the same thing. It's the same principle. It's just the difference is a leash
2: versus a non-leash. But if you start working on a dog with the idea of leaving things and you really get them to the place that they're solid and young dogs, like I said, they they take to those ideas fairly quickly. If you start getting a puppy to the place where he's in leave it, he's in the same place. He's still not out there going crazy through the house looking for the cat and so
1: the cat comes out in the same amount of time. I guess I use the tie down to basically set the dog up to succeed because the thing is I think it's harder for the owner if the dog is off the leash the dog is off the leash, and if they miss that half a second of time that they have to jump in and go, "Ah, uh-uh, leave it, then the dog has already chased the cat, and then we go into that variable reinforcement again. And now the cat has been chased, and the dog has chased the cat.
2: Yeah, I don't find it to be a problem. I mean, this is just the way that I've resolved these issues for a long time. And again, um, there are probably circumstances, well, I know that there are circumstances where I would, would use management, certainly if I felt that there was a possibility that the dog was actually going to hurt the cat. Mm-hmm. Certainly in a situation like that, I'm definitely going to do whatever I need to do to manage the situation so that the dog can't get to the cat. But a lot of times, well, this is just my experience with cats, a lot of times the cat gets some empowerment from coming out and realizing that it has some control over the dog. Because mm-hmm. when you throw in with the with the cat, you basically throw in your power with the cat, the cat start, starts to realize... It has some power over this situation. And then you can get a cat that starts to bully the dog. Yeah. I I've seen that a lot of times. Then yeah. you start to get the kitties start to bully the dogs. It happens with me. It happened with me in agility with the cats that belong to the agility trainer that I go to. And they're out in the front yard, and I brought uh, three of the puppies, who weren't puppies, by the way. They were a year old when I started taking them to agility, a little under a year But um, they were taught, don't go after the kitties. So as soon as the kitties showed up, they were given the leave it. And I had done some
0: Mm -hmm. basic
2: work with them, and they were given the leave it. And then the cat went very quickly. These two young cats went, you're scared of me. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And started terrorizing the dogs, which was only kind of (laughs) funny. But it was kind of funny. I mean, it wasn't funny. We did have to stop that, too. But, you know, pretty quickly. I think, though, the thing that... The point that I wanted to make for me, for me, mm-hmm. for the point of this, was you can get dogs and cats to live very harmoniously, but I think if you have a situation where you honestly believe your dog is going to hurt the cat, mm-hmm. maybe the best thing is management.
1: Yeah. And by management, it could be a baby gate if the dog isn't going to go over and the cat or knock it down, and the cat can go over, so that the dog, you know, the cat can get away from the dog and into a safe area, and the dog just can't go there, and... Also, to your to what you said about the cats being empowered, I've had dogs where the dogs aren't aggressive but they're just goofy right, and don't read the cats and the cats are hissing or swatting or whatever, and the dogs are just do, 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 right. do, do, do. I've actually used the cat's hissing and swatting at the dog, and I've run the dog out of the room and acted like like the world has fallen or like the sky uh-huh. has fallen on the dog's head and i start acting like oh my god are you okay oh you poor thing and do everything you're not supposed to do right in to make a dog to to make a dog afraid of certain situations and so then after a few times of doing this the dog starts to go oh that must be something really bad that and will be... actually turn around and run away <laughs> so the cat starts to go oh this does work because sometimes dogs just don't get it they just yeah. don't understand the cats hissing at them and the dog just goes what yeah. And stands there, or gets closer, or wiggles, and oh come on, we can be friends, like you would with another dog, but the cat obviously isn't going to go for that.
2: Right. In, the, in a best case scenario, of course, you get the dogs and the cats to get along.
1: Oh yeah. And that's really well. Wonderful. And then eventually they do.
2: That's actually I, and maybe that's where we need to go with this: is that if you get to the place where you start really setting limits and you don't allow the dog to terrorize the cat, mm-hmm. and a little bit of terrorizing I allow on the I allow on the cat's parts. Yeah. I have to admit because of the that size difference. That, well, and usually dogs are very forgiving about that, and cats are not, so cat is legitimately afraid when the dog is bullying them. When the cat starts bullying the dog the the dog starts you in my experience, the dog kind of figures out, oh okay, there's only a few there's there's been some exceptions to this rule, but there the dog figures out that oh well, they're not really that scary, yeah, <laughs> and it starts to become a thing where they show a lot of respect, yeah. mutual respect and then the cat starts to let up a little
1: bit yeah there are exceptions to that rule
2: but i i mean but for
1: the most part they you know they go over the top to begin with and then once they realize that they can control the dog then they can diminish it a little bit right right i have to tell a funny
2: story though i don't even know where we're at time wise but i had a cat um that was very dog savvy i found her as a baby she was in the gutter and something had gotten to her she Mm. She was marked up, and anyway, she a vet visit later, but she was a very young kitten, so apparently something had carried her out of wherever she was at, because she had marks on her, and I brought her home, and I raised her, and she was raised with the three dogs that I had at the time, and was really, you know, very close to them, because those were primarily her buddies. I had one of the cats besides that at the time, and she was friends with him, too, but she really liked the dogs. So as she got older, and she lived to be 21 years old, and so as she got older, she would love to come up and and lay on them in need, as I've seen one of your cats uh-huh. do on your on your pig. pig, yeah, yeah. She would. So years later, I got a staffy bull, and he was not the most um, courageous staffy bull I've ever had. He was a little bit of a chicken sometimes, and she came up one time when he was asleep, and she would love to cuddle with the dogs came up and she started kneading. <laughs> it didn't happen ha- once, it happened a couple of times, where she started kneading, but she would knead on his neck, and he would wake up, gagging. <laughs> <laughs> and so then he got to the place where if he woke up and she was nearby, he'd get up and bolt away from her multilater. Oh, no. <laughs> and the funny thing is he liked her. It wasn't like... The, you know, once he was awake and everything was fine, but anyway, so I had, to, I had to stop that behavior. That was one of those that I had to stop. But he truly, I guess, thought she
1: tried to kill him. <laughs> I don't She's strangling me. She's, She's strangling did. me. And he would, he'd wake up. <laughs> you no, know, it wasn't really gonna kill
2: him or <laughs> anything, right. but I'm sure it was irritating to his throat. Anyway, so wait. there's oh, a lot of funny, funny dog cat stories. So our bottom line, your bottom line is, dogs and cats can get along. No, yes. I'll do mine. Okay. Dogs and cats can get along. If you've got a dog that you truly think is going to do harm to a cat, probably best not to push it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: The best way to deal with the dog and cat interactions, in my opinion, is to allow the cat to have a little more power than the dog. Yes. And if you are going to bring a young dog into a home or a new dog into a home where you have a cat that's established, you really need to start out from the very beginning First thing that you bring them in, drawing boundaries. Yeah, don't just turn them loose and say they're going to figure it out. That's right. You have to draw some boundaries for the dog and let the dog know that he's got to be respectful of the cat. Because there just is a difference, as you said, in the size and the power. You know, there is a difference. Your lines, too? Your bottom lines, too? Except for that time when we were going to come to blows over the leash. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, pretty much, and make sure that the cat does have someplace safe to go that's not under a bed. You know, I mean, there's a difference between jumping over a baby gate and having a whole room versus having to go under a bed and actually hide.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I have to say that one of the things that you can do is draw the boundary that if the cat's up on the bed, you don't get to get up there and bother the cat. I, I mean, I know that for me always the safe spot for my cats is have been any place up high because the Mm -hmm. dogs are not allowed to follow them up yeah so they don't have to go high high up right to get i mean if you go into the center of a queen-size bed the dogs really can't reach you there not unless they're going to get up on that bed and they simply are not allowed to do that and by the way my dogs are allowed on the bed but they're only allowed on the bed by invitation Mm -hmm. but that's one
1: of those things that if that that would be a safe spot and that also means okay so the dog can't get up on the bed but it also can't sit there at the edge of the bed barking Right. Trying to get the cat, because that's harassment. Right. That's just flat-out harassment. No matter where okay. the cat
2: goes to be safe, for the dog to stand there
1: and continuously harass them, yeah. for me, would be a bad The game. cat has to have someplace safe to go. And even if you have two dogs, like you have an older dog who's great with the cat, and then you bring in a younger dog, don't just take it for granted that if the older dog is no longer here, that the younger dog is that's a really okay. good
2: point, because I have to say, I wouldn't have thought of that as a danger, but as soon as you said it, I certainly saw it. And I, that, I mean, that happens with dog, dog-to-dog dog behavior also. I yeah. mean, any time oh, yeah. you have a group of dogs and you lose one, it can change the dynamic within the group and cause a problem. But I didn't really think of it in terms of how it could potentially influence the behavior over – now that you say it, it's as clear – you know, it's very clear. But I didn't really think about it that way. Yeah. Um, and I can imagine that that could end very tragically. Yeah,
1: the one that I'm thinking about did. I don't doubt it. Yeah.
2: Oh, well, that's very sad. <laughs> that's really sad.
1: Okay, so,
2: you know, one of the things that you can do if you're going to plan to keep a dog and a cat together is outline your expectations for who, what the behavior is going to be before you bring them in together. So that you have a clear idea of where you're going to draw the lines. What people tend to do is they tend to bring the animals in and they want to draw the line, you know, as they watch it. Yeah, as they watch it. They They think they're going to know what they're going to do. But if you've not really thought about it ahead of time and really drawn the boundaries in your head and said, okay, this is what we will tolerate, this is what we're not going to tolerate. And another thing that can work really well, by the way, is if you bring the puppy in and have the cat in the room, say, up on something high and you bring the puppy into the room where the cat is and start working with the puppy. Work to train Instantly, the puppy right. in front of the cat because that just, it has less to do with the way it impacts the cat, but the cat does get to see that there is some control over the puppy. Yes, exactly. And the other thing is that the puppy gets to exercise some compliance with you and some control in the presence of the cat but without without interaction. Right, from day one. Absolutely. All right, so I think we're done. So we don't want to duke it out or anything. I don't think so.
1: <laughs> maybe maybe a couple of hair pulls.
2: All right. So oh, I think ow, we're, done ow, with, ow, ow. <laughs> we're done with this one for now. We may re- revisit it in the future. This is Kim
1: Reinhardt, with Ain't Misbehaving Canine. And Laura Burheny from Animal Attraction Unlimited. Thank you very much. Thank you.
0: You have been listening to Doggy Dish, a podcast series about dog training and other related issues. To suggest a topic for a future segment, please email us at yahoo.com To learn more about our featured trainers, or if you're interested in training for your own dog and you live in the Los Angeles area, you may contact Laura or Kim directly. To speak with Laura, call 818-800-4818 or visit her website at www.petdogtrainer.com. To speak with Kim, call 818 Eight nine zero one one three three, or visit her website at www.beagooddog.com. Thank you for listening.